0: well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad you're with me on the program today. We're going to be talking with uh, John Crump from Ammo Land here in just a moment. You know, um, when Joe Biden said, I, I, I've reached the limits of my executive authority, I realize that's kind of Bill Clinton. Anyway, he, uh, m- you know, Grandpa mumbles there uh, that uh, he had reached the limits of his executive authority. Uh, when it came to uh, executive actions that he could take to, uh, quote-unquote, stem gun violence. Well, did you believe him? Because you shouldn't have. Uh, As uh, Crump is reporting, there is a new rule from the ATF that is in the works, expected to be introduced, uh, at least unveiled, later this year with a a public comment period to follow. This one dealing with private sales of firearms. We're going to get into the uh, gory details here in just a moment, but before we do... You know, Biden's America's crushing us, and not just when it comes to our right to keep and bear arms. You've got companies laying off tens of thousands of workers, one after the other. Americans working two jobs just to get by. Inflation, pushing hardworking families to the brink. Just look at the price of lunch meat next time you go to the grocery store. And a digital dollar could be coming on the pipeline to completely destroy our way of life. The truth is, you need a plan. You know it. And I know it. And that is why you should call GoldCo. So you can diversify your savings and investments with gold and silver before things get worse. They're a six-timing 5000 winner, 2022 company of the year, with thousands of five-star reviews. And they've helped people like you and me place over $1 billion in gold and silver. They're offering up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last. And if you call them today... Qualified callers will get a free Ronald Reagan half ounce silver coin. So don't wait. Call Gold Co. at 855-412-3806 today. That's 855-412-3806. All right, so let's get to our conversation with uh, John Crump, talking about this uh, proposed rule that uh, looks like it's coming down the pike from the ATF. This one, again, not dealing with frames or receivers, not trying to uh, redefine what a firearm is, but instead trying to redefine who is uh predominantly engaged in the business of selling firearms uh in order to derive a profit to predominantly earn a profit yeah john thanks so much for coming on the show man it's great talking to you again
1: uh, no problem i always love coming on your show
0: uh, well and i uh, i don't i don't love the information you always put out but i love the fact that you're putting this information out there uh there is not much to love about uh uh, what looks to be coming down the road here from the Biden administration. And, you know, it was only a few months ago, Joe Biden said, I, I, I think I've reached the end of my executive authority. There's nothing more that I can do. We need Congress to act. And apparently, uh, that was yet another lie from Joe Biden because it looks like there is another rule coming from the ATF.
1: Yeah, they're going to claim that Congress delegated the authority to them through the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act because in the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, they changed the wording of what it is. It is to be a gun seller, so now they're going to take that and run with it.
0: Yeah, um, and again, this change, as you write about it, to ammo land, um, is now um, – it takes someone from engaged in the business of selling guns with the principal objective of livelihood and profit to, as you say, the much more ambiguous statement of to predominantly – Earn a profit. Right. And according to the B.S.C.A., that means that the intent underlying the sale or disposition of firearms is predominantly one of obtaining pecuniary gain as opposed to other intents such as improving or liquidating a personal firearms collection, uh, provided that proof of profit shall not be required as to a person who engages in the regular and repetitive purchase and disposition of firearms for criminal purposes or terrorism. So what what does this, what what is this uh, going to look like in practice? I mean, what uh, what are you hearing about this proposed rule from the ATF? How are they going to try to implement uh, this uh, new definition of who is predominantly trying to earn a profit by selling firearms?
1: Well, I want to start off by saying that everything that we have right now is in draft form. So everything is likely to change. So we don't have what The rule is going to look like when it hits the federal registry where people can comment on it. But right now, it looks like if you make a profit on selling a firearm, then they are going to consider you in the business of being a gun seller and require you to get a federal firearms license. Now, how are they going to enforce that? I'm not really sure. And at this point, I don't think they're really sure how they're going to enforce that or even know, because a lot of states, private cells are private. You don't have to go through an FFL or anything else like that.
0: Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. Um, And then again, I mean, like as you say, trying to figure out, okay, well, who is in the, uh, who's predominantly earning a profit? Uh, How many guns are they selling? All of those seem to be pretty devilish details, but I guess from the perspective of the gun control groups and the Biden administration, it, it really doesn't matter. Those are devils that uh, that we will have to deal with. Right. Uh, ATF might have to figure out how to enforce this law, but it's going to be gun owners who are trying to figure out how to stay in compliance uh, with this law. And even if you live in a state that you know allows for private sales, uh, theoretically, the ATF, that doesn't matter. Right. Uh, if, if you are selling a firearm and it could be as few as one firearm for a profit, they could say, well, you got to become an FFL.
1: That is correct. And that's the scary part. We don't have all the information yet because they don't have all the information. What I do see happening is that a bunch of anti-gun groups are going to start running social media campaigns and writing articles and everything else about... You know, the gun cell loophole or the private sales loophole as they call it in the digital loophole because they're going to go after places like arms list as well mm-hmm. and try to shut down those places
0: absolutely. I mean, you you note know that arms list has been sued uh, more than once. Uh, uh, those lawsuits have been unsuccessful, right? Um uh, basically,, uh, the judges have said, Arms list is not an FFL. They are basically an online marketplace uh, and section I think Section 230 applies to them. Right. They're not responsible for the uh, content of the postings that uh, people are putting up. They're just sort of the the message board itself. And we know the gun control groups hate that. Um, You know, it's also interesting, though, because the gun control groups have been on a tear the past couple of weeks, John. I'm sure you've noticed this complaining that there are more FFLs in this country than Starbucks and McDonald's. And a lot of the FFLs that they're talking about are, again, not brick and mortar retailers, but they're people who have an FFL license for their own personal use, maybe, or maybe they're, you know, doing something part time, uh, whether it's, you know, selling firearms, even just engaging in transfers. But the gun control groups hate the fact that there are so many FFLs out there. And if this rule change comes, they're either going to be a lot more FFLs or maybe their intention is going to be uh, cracking down on FFLs at the same time, requiring private sellers to become an FFL if they simply want to transfer a firearm and make even a couple of bucks profit.
1: Yeah. What I see happening is them trying to go after the tabletop FFLs in the future. Right now there's like 16,596 uh, brick and mortar mortar stores. At last count. I just did this research over the weekend and there's 65,000 total FFLs, which in, which says that most people are FFLs out of their home, tabletop FFLs.
0: Yeah. So do they want those around or not? Because it seems they to me like <laughs> so. So, again, you know, require people to become FFLs at the same time, cracking down on the number of FFLs. Where does that leave most gun owners?
1: That leaves most gun owners with less of a choice of how to get firearms. They know they can't ban firearms because every time they try to do that, they lose in the courts. So now they're trying to go after the actual transfer of firearms. It's something that I've seen them try to do in in the past. It's just like with all the lawsuits against gun stores. Philadelphia is suing three gun stores. And trying to claim that the PLCAA doesn't cover them because there was a straw purchase at a gun store. And since they had FFL or ATF training, they should have been able to spot that. So they're trying a lot of dirty tricks here to shut down the supply of firearms to the people, especially since the number of guns sold is way up over past times, since COVID at least.
0: Yeah, absolutely. 48 straight months of at least uh, one million firearm transfers, according to the National Shooting Sports Foundation. I mean, that's that's pretty staggering. Uh, and again, you know, the, the gun control movement was all about uh, reducing the number of firearms, not to add in a million per month uh, to the uh, you know private collections of Americans. So it's you're right. We have seen this before. I mean, going back to the 90s, we've seen attempts to go after gun makers and gun stores. Um, that that won't change uh, going forward. I'm, I'm curious, though. You know, one of the other things we've seen about the uh, BSCA in recent weeks is the fact that the education department is viewing another provision in that legislation as preventing uh, funds going towards like archery in schools programs or hunter ed programs. And that's actually gotten some bipartisan opposition. Um, granted, the the Democrats who are complaining about it are guys like you know Joe Manchin and John Tester, who I think have their own political reasons for wanting to appear moderate on this issue. But I I, I am hopeful at least that maybe with folks starting to take a look again at the language of the Bipartisan Saver Communities Act uh, and maybe tweaking that language in order to you know again provide that funding going forward. Maybe there's also an opportunity to go back and revisit this language. And Sarah, we can already see what the ATF is going to try to do here in abusing this. So now let's let's go back and, and maybe go back to the old definition of uh, who's engaged in the business of selling firearms uh, to maybe thwart the ATF. Have you heard anything about uh, plans to do something along those lines? I heard some stuff
1: in Congress about some Republicans that want to do that. But overall, I don't see a big push for that to happen. I hope it does, but I just don't see it happening right now. I don't think there's enough pushback. Maybe when it gets closer and the actual rule comes out or the proposed rule comes out, maybe then. But as of right now, I don't see it happening, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, yeah and you're right. And it may be that um, you know, Congress, Congress is a reactive body. For the most part um and so you know you're reporting uh I, I think it's probably the first time that a lot of congress are even aware that this uh, proposed rule is, is coming down the pike maybe when this rule actually does get officially proposed uh, that lights a fire under uh you know republicans uh, pants and they do start moving forward on this but also gun owners we have an opportunity right now to speak up uh and to let our uh, representatives and senators know hey this is an issue that that is concerning it's it's on the horizon uh, and you need to get ahead of this. If if we start making some noise, maybe that makes them perk up a little bit too.
1: Yeah, it definitely does. The New York Times reported on this, but their source was not as pro-gun as my source. I'm not going to say <laughs> anything more than that. But so, what they were trying to do is leak information that makes them look good, right? And, instead of the whole entire story. And what I'm trying to do is put out the whole entire story. I'm trying to be accurate. I am trying to put out good information that is accurate and complete. Um, and I think we're going to see the other side try to put out partial information.
0: Oh, there we go. We got you back, John. Sorry, you hung up there for a second. But oh, um, sorry, no, it's all good. Probably my end. Uh, I'm the one I think with the uh, crummy internet connection living out in the middle of nowhere. But um, you, you, you know, you're right that they will try to massage uh, the narrative, and they'll try to use this, you know, narrative. Oh my gosh, you know, we've got uh, just like again with the quote unquote gun show loophole, right? They they claim that this is how criminals are acquiring firearms, and oh, if we just shut this down, then aha, problem solved. I mean, look, all you have to do is uh, look at what's going on in California, right? Universal background checks, 10-day waiting periods. There, there are no private transfers of firearms. According to the FBI, California led the nation in the terms of active shooter incidents back in 2021, uh, the last year for which we have any real valid data. Uh, and California's crime rate, roughly that of Texas, right? So all of those gun control laws, criminals still get in hold of firearms uh, after closing the quote-unquote gun show loophole uh, and you know, going after quote-unquote ghost guns and things of that nature. If you want to stop violent crime, you have to go after violent criminals. But uh, if you want to stop legal gun ownership, uh, you start doing stuff like this.
1: Yeah, we have seen prohibition on different things, alcohol, for example, and it never works. So I don't understand why they think prohibition on transferring firearms is going to work if it hasn't worked on anything. It hasn't worked with drugs. It hasn't worked on alcohol. And it's not going to work on
0: firearms i'm with you i'm with you And can you imagine having to get like a liquor license before you get offered your neighbor a beer I, because, I mean, I, I right i mean like well we want to make sure that you know we're we're stopping minors from drinking we have over a hundred thousand alcohol-involved deaths every year so this is just a common sense reasonable step to ensure that uh, alcohol is not getting into the hands that it doesn't belong in uh, i don't think the american people would uh would stand up for that or would uh, take that line down uh but again we're going to have basically the equivalent of this it sounds like uh, coming from the atf going forward John, again, I really appreciate your reporting. Like I said, and like you said, this is in draft form, so we don't have a lot of the details yet. Uh, but I know that uh, your source is going to continue talking to you. You've obviously got an open microphone anytime you want to come back and help spread the word here on Cam and Company. Uh, but in the meantime, if folks want to follow uh, your reporting, what's the best way to do so? Uh,
1: amaland.com, that's where I do my writing at. I also have a YouTube channel, John Crump News, where I do um, on video stuff. All right. uh, those two places are the best.
0: No, John, listen, man, thanks again for everything you do. Thanks for joining me on the program today, and uh, I look forward to having you back again very soon. All right. Thank you, Kim. I appreciate John joining us on the program. We obviously will be uh, paying very close attention to uh, anything coming out of the ATF related to this proposed rule, as well as continuing to uh, follow what's going on with the ATF's frame and receiver rule, their pistol stabilizing brace rule, and their bump stock ban, all of which, by the way, uh, still continuing on in the court. In fact, it'll be tomorrow when we expect to hear from the uh, supreme court uh regarding the uh, doj's request to keep the atf's frame and receiver rule in place as opposed to the uh, nationwide Injunction that was uh, filed by a, a U.S. District Judge in the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, a decision that the uh, Fifth Circuit has largely, by the way, uh, agreed with. All right, let's turn our attention now to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, as well as our recidivist report. We'll start there with a, a case out of Florida where the man accused of shooting two Orlando police officers over the weekend had uh, previous run ins with law enforcement, according to local media. Uh, Yeah, quite the lengthy criminal history, apparently dating back to uh, 2016 or so. Uh, Dayton Veal uh, led police on an overnight pursuit over the weekend, critically injuring two officers in a shooting on Friday. He was caught in a uh, hotel room, killed in a shootout with law enforcement. Um, according to WESH in Orlando, uh, Veal, again, had a criminal history dating back a number of years Back in uh, March uh, of this year, Orlando police shared a tweet about how they had found the suspect in case they've been trying to solve since December of 2022. They say that DeVille sexually assaulted a 14-year-old girl. He was arrested on sexual battery and molestation charges. He posted bond. And then he was put on probation for this crime in April. Authorities say two months later, he violated the terms of his probation, cutting off his GPS monitor. Uh, police weren't getting calls or uh, answers from Veal's cell phone. They couldn't fa- uh, find him. A, a red Ford Fusion connected to a, a homicide in Miami uh, was uh, found on Friday. Veal was in that car Friday night. And, again, that's when the uh, gunshots were fired. The uh, two officers were shot. Uh, both officers expected to survive. But, again, you have to ask yourself the question, why did uh, Dayton Veal, with so many criminal charges dating back to uh, 2016, I believe, Uh, Why on earth was he given such a lenient sentence and a plea deal when he's accused of sexually assaulting a 14-year-old girl? Probation, GPS monitoring, uh, clearly didn't keep uh, Mr. Veal there on the uh, straight and narrow, given the uh, circumstances of his death over the weekend. Now, today's armed citizen story from Maryland where a a 17-year-old in critical condition after uh, apparently being a part of a a carjacking, a a carjacking that was uh, stopped by a retired police officer. This is not the first time that we've uh, heard a story like this where uh, individuals are able to track down their stolen car go to find their stolen car, only to be shot at by the uh, occupants. In this case, it was in Glendale, Maryland. Detectives with the uh, Prince George's County Police Department. Say uh, the uh, uh, suspect, who is now in critical condition after being shot by that retired police officer, a 17-year-old from uh, Mount Rainier, Maryland. Uh, According to WUSA, the teenager armed with a handgun, Led stole a car sometime between Friday and Saturday evening after the carjacking. A man, identified as a retired police officer, located the stolen car on Margarita Avenue in Prince George's County. He says the car had been stolen from a family member. Police say inside that stolen ride, there were three occupants, including the 17-year-old suspect, who got out of the vehicle during a confrontation between the man and the teenager, both of whom were armed. Police say the man shot the teenager. man remained at the scene, provided aid to the teenager while the two other people inside the stolen car fled. Um, The teen transported to an area hospital where he's recovering, facing multiple handgun charges, theft of vehicle charges. Uh, Right now, nobody else has been charged in connection with the case, including the retired law enforcement officer. Now, it does sound, based on uh, initial reports, that this was a case of self-defense, but this is also Prince George's County, Maryland, one of the more anti-gun jurisdictions in the, uh, well, in the country. Uh, certainly, the state of Maryland is an anti gun jurisdiction all on its own. So, we will be keeping our eyes on this story, see if there's any uh, more details that emerge. But right now, again, looks to be a, a case of self defense there on the part of the retired police officer in uh, Prince George's County, Maryland, one of the uh, chosen few who are still able to uh, carry in most circumstances in the state of Maryland, given all of the uh, new gun free zones that have been in place after the demise of their May issue. Concealed carry laws. Finally today, our good deed of the day in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. A uh, gentleman who is uh, homeless, who saved a woman in South Bend, Indiana, as well as her dog from drowning in the St. Joseph River. The uh, pair able to reunite just a couple of days ago. Uh, Jacob Schoenborn, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, is uh, his name. Jacob has been in the uh, South Bend, Indiana area for a few months, and uh, really, again, in the right place at the right time. Just a few days ago, Patty Reisner—this uh, was a about a uh, well, almost two months ago, back on June 16th, she was uh, taking her dog for a walk. They walk along the St. Josephs River. She said, I usually walk my dog in Howard Park, had a plastic bag with my phone hanging on my arm, dogs on the retractable leash. We get to the end of the race behind Oaklawn and the dog likes to put his paws in the river. So they walked down onto a boat ramp, uh, but the ramp was a little slimy, had algae, had uh, some goose droppings on it. She said her dog uh, was starting to play, so she stepped forward to pick it up. She said it was nasty water, the ramp was slippery, and she lost her footing. Uh, she fell into the water. She's trying to keep herself and her dog out. Uh, She said that she was sure she would pull the current. Her dog went under the water. She was yelling for help, but she didn't see anybody. She said, I was sure they'd find me in a few weeks. I didn't have any ID on me, so they need to figure out who I was. I knew for sure I couldn't let go of the dog. And that is when her guardian angel stepped in. Uh, Jason Schoenborn came to her aid. First telling her, calm down. She said he took off his shoes and socks, sat down, scooted down the ramp, then extended his foot so she could grab onto it. And once she did, he was able to pull her up onto the ramp along with her dog. She said, uh, he saved my life. He kept telling me he wasn't good in difficult situations. Clearly, he rose to the occasion. He said, uh, my instinct to help clicked in. After he got her to safety, he uh, pulled his one towel from his backpack, wrapped her up, and uh, dried off the dog. Uh, Patty said my blue jeans and coat were sopping. I was like wearing a wet blanket. I was concerned about my wet phone, the keys in my bag. But Jacob said those are material things. Those can be replaced. So she actually left her dog in the care of Jacob and went to go get her car. She returned. She gave him some money. He said uh, he didn't expect that, but he thanked her. She said she was sore for uh, several days afterwards. and said I needed to recover, but once I felt better, I went down to look for him by the river again. Took a couple of trips to find him. She said I told him that people needed to know what he did for me that he was my guardian angel. I can tell that he's a good man. Only a good person would help me. So the pair reunited recently, and uh, Jacob talked a little bit about how he got to uh, South Bend, said that he was raised in Missouri and Oklahoma before moving to Indianapolis with his family, says he knows he has depression, says he wants to get on the right track and get a job, but he isn't sure how. He has relatives in the area, but he hasn't had any contact with him. He said, uh, my mother died two years ago, and she was my rock. In uh, Indianapolis, he said he stayed with Friends, stayed in a motel, said I came to South Bend because I heard I could get help and there was a bed here. That lasted a week. I've been stranded for four months. Don't have any friends here. Now he's got one. And hopefully he's got more. Uh, Again, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. And I suspect that there are going to be some folks there in South Bend who uh, will also be in the right place at the right time, will be willing and able to uh, lend a hand to Jason, uh, Jacob Schoenborn, and hopefully uh, get him on that right path. But again, Jacob, thank you for your very, very good deed. And that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Barry and Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always, and I'm looking forward to being back with you again tomorrow. Don't forget to check out BuryingArms.com throughout the day for the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. We've got uh, full house today, Tom Knighton, John Petrolito, Ranjit Singh, all the contributing stories. Uh, along with myself. So we got you covered on all the big news of the day. If you like what you see, I'd encourage you to become a VIP or VIP Gold member as well. Just go to barryandarms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code gunrights, and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. As our way of saying thanks for showing your support for what we do, we're going to give you exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. New stories and analysis that matter, just like your support. So thank you again. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. As good as anybody can enjoy a Monday. We'll see you back here tomorrow for 2A Tuesday. Until then, be well. Be safe and be free.